Merry Christmas to you. Welcome to our 1130 service. This is the third of our three services. We've just had an incredible weekend together, and we're really excited that you're here. My name is Jason, and I'm the pastor here at Hope City Church, and I just need to make a confession that I am a first-verse Christmas singer. Once you get to verses two, three, and four, I have no idea what the words are. Anybody else like me? You're like, I, 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 glory Giddon. I don't even know what's happening up there. Uh, so once we stay on the first verse, I'm good. But then it's mumble until we get back to the chorus. Oh, glory, you know, I'm, and then I'm back in. But uh, you guys sound amazing. Thank you so much. And it's Christmas Eve. How many people, be honest, you've already opened some presents? Let me see your hand. Come on, you've already opened some of your presents. How many of you, you just got to the point, you just don't even wrap them? Like, I'm just buying for, I'm just this, here, what do you want? Here, there you go. We, uh, my dad sent some money to buy gifts for our family, and like, we're, we've been wearing them for like a month. So we're going to have to throw them in the box tonight so that we can have everything ready to go. How many of you, you're a stickler? Like, we do not open presents until Christmas morning. Any sticklers in the room? Of course, this is the 1130. There's not many sticklers that make it to the 1130. But, uh, hey, it is Christmas Eve. It reminds me of a joke I heard the other day that, um, about this dad who asked his son, you know, son, what do you, what do you want for Christmas? And the son says, well, dad, I really would like a little sister. And it just so happens that his mom was pregnant, and it just so happens that she actually did deliver a baby girl on Christmas Eve, and, and so they brought home this little sister, which is amazing. And so the next year, the dad said to the son, son, what do you want for Christmas this year? And he thought for a second, kind of had a pain look on his face, and he said, well, dad, honestly, if it's not too much trouble for mom, I think I'd like a pony. <laughs> Andrea told me not to tell that, but I just went ahead and went with it. I, you know, hey, what are you going to do? Anyway, hey, I want to talk for just a few minutes tonight, or tonight, today, um, about the Christmas story, specifically one, one part towards the end of the Christmas story, but I do want to just say hey quickly to all the kids in the room. Kids, make some noise. We got our kids with us. Any, any kids in the room? I want to make sure that you got your coloring, you got your coloring pack. I'm going to talk for about 20 minutes, and, and it's hard for adults to focus sometimes for 20 minutes, but we want to make sure you have... Uh, coloring pack. If you don't have one or parents, you don't, just throw your hand up real quick. One of our, our teams will, will bring one to you. Don't be embarrassed. You can, you can have that. And if your parents get, um, get bored, they'll bo- borrow that from you kids. Just let them borrow that. Give them a crayon and, and you guys can hang out for just a little bit. So make sure you have that. Okay. Uh, here's what I want us to do. Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two is where the Christmas story is. It's, it's famous. You know, Christmas story, you've probably over your life had some traditions that involved reading Luke chapter two, and I love the Christmas story. It's an amazing story, but so often, because of, I guess, time or attention spans, we kind of stop halfway through the story. But if you keep reading and you get to verse 21 and you read for a few verses there in the Christmas story, there's a really um, special story about a man named Simeon and something that I believe really applies to where you and I find ourselves today. And I wanna read that together. It'll be up on the screen for you. Luke chapter two, starting with verse 21. This is just a few days after Jesus had been born. And uh, and this is what it says. It says, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel, even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents 
took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. Sorry, ladies. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now that sounds so meaningless, pointless, and overly detailed. A little TMI there. But there's a reason I read this, and we'll get to that in just a second. Keep reading. Verse 25. At that time... There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And that day, everybody say that day. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. There's two words. We, we talked about that day there for a second, but there's two words a little bit earlier in the story that I want to talk about today. It says that he was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah. That's what I want to talk about for these next few moments, is this idea of eagerly waiting, eagerly, eagerly waiting, So much of a relationship with Jesus, so much about having faith is about waiting. We don't think of it like that. We we think that anything great in life happens quickly. We think that anything great with God, any great prayers, prayer requests, would and should happen quickly. We read the Christmas story, and it just kind of reads like it happens quickly, but it doesn't. That even if you go back to the beginning of the Bible and you begin to read about all these great men and women of God who, who experienced and participated in incredible things, so much of it is about waiting. You can start with Noah. God shows up to Noah and says, I want you to build an ark. It's going to rain. And Noah's like, I'm in. And then 100 years later, it rained, Right? And, and, and so it's just waiting. You have Abraham, and God says, you're going to make a great nation, and, and that takes forever. So much waiting. And then there's Moses, going to be the deliverer, 80 years, waiting. God's people who are going to be delivered, 430 years of praying, waiting. Joseph, you're going to be powerful and rule over your family, 20 plus years, waiting. David, you're going to be king, 15 to 20 years, waiting. We could keep going and going and going. But like, the point is, is that so much of a relationship with God is about waiting, eagerly waiting. The problem is that for us, we feel like waiting time is wasted time, but it's not. See, Jesus in Matthew 17, he talked about this this idea that faith is like a mustard seed, a small little mustard seed. And when you put it in the ground that he said another time in Matthew 13, that when you put it in the ground, it grows. It's nothing really, but it grows into this this big tree. And it's such an awesome tree that the birds come and rest on it and kind of got all poetic with it. But the point he was making was that is that your faith grows, and we love that idea, but he was saying that your faith grows like a tree. Anybody ever watched a tree grow? Anybody? Yeah, it takes forever. You probably haven't watched it grow much because it didn't grow much while you were staring at it. It takes a long time. I don't know if this is true, but I read it on the internet, so it's probably mostly true that uh, it takes an acorn, like a minimum of 20 years to turn into an oak tree, which that was like, I didn't even know that. Wow, that's amazing. And so like, Like, Jesus says, your faith is going to grow. Something amazing is going to happen. It's just going to grow like a tree, which means it's going to take a lot of time, longer than you think, and it's going to require a lot of different seasons. Just waiting, waiting. All of us in the room today, we're waiting on something. We're waiting on something. 
in the first service, or excuse me, the second service, in our 10 a.m. service, I asked that question. I said, you know, all of us in the room are waiting on something. What are you waiting on? True story, one of our little five-year-old girls was sitting down here with her parents, looked at her mom and said, I'm waiting on him to finish. (laughs) True story, yeah. Some of you are feeling that way right now. But all of us in the room are waiting on something. Some of you in the room are waiting on a prayer to be answered. That, that you have been praying for and wondering why God has not answered that prayer yet. Some of you in the room are waiting on your questions to be answered because you, 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 can't, you don't feel as if you can fully put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ until you get some, some questions answered, maybe why things happen to you or, or some things that you're confused about. Some of you in the room are maybe waiting on the day that you wake up and you're not addicted or your life is not ruined by a substance or a drug that has destroyed your life. Maybe you're waiting on a companion for life. Maybe you're waiting to start a family and you're not sure why it hasn't happened yet. Maybe you're waiting on the phone to ring and a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter where there's been distance, like you're waiting on a phone call or a hello or an apology. All of us in the room are waiting on something. And we think that following Jesus and miraculous things that God does are things that happen instantly, but they're not. They're things that happen after long periods of waiting. So I gave you examples from the Old Testament. You know, if you keep going and you finish the book of Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, that historically and biblically we find out that God went silent for 400 years. No, no goosebumps, no messages from God, no inspiration. Silence for 400 years. Just to put that into context, like the United States of America is like 220-something years old. I forgot the number. But anyway, you know what I mean? Like, just to put that into context, 400 years, multiple, multiple generations just waiting on God to speak or maybe, if we're lucky, the Messiah to come, for Jesus to show up, the Savior to come, because they knew about it, they read about it, but was it ever going to happen? Just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then an angel shows up to Mary and says, you're gonna have a baby. Now, if you're just reading the story as the Christmas story, he shows up in like verse one or two, and then by like verse 10, the baby's there. But if you've ever had a baby, you know that's not how it works, especially with that first kid. Because with that first kid, nine months feels like nine years. I mean, it's never going to get there. You're packing your emergency bag to go to the hospital like five months in. You're like, it could happen any minute. I know, I just... I know, you're walking around at like eight months, like it, it, the baby's coming, like I just said it's gonna be early, and I don't know, I mean, any minute, and everybody's like, no, it's not, yeah, I just, I don't know, he kicked, and I, you know. That first kid takes forever. Kids two, three, and four, it's like pregnant baby. Wow, what, what happened? I don't even have the nursery's not even ready. Like, you're just going in a pack and play. I'm sorry, like I don't, I, that's just us. I don't know, I'm just confessing. Anyway, um, y'all just pray for us. Uh, but, uh, and then you get to the hospital, and I didn't, Andrew and I didn't go to any birthing classes. I know that's hard to believe. We kind of just, I assumed I knew what I was doing, and so we didn't go to any birthing classes. All I knew about childbirth was what I'd seen on movies and TV shows. So I thought you got to the hospital, you got in the room, you pushed, and the baby was there. So we showed up, and I'm like, how long is this going to take? She's like, probably anywhere from 14 to 24 hours. I'm like, 14 to 24 hours? Like, we're here, let's have the baby. She says, that's not how it works. It takes a long time, and so you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and 
you're waiting, and then all of a sudden, you've been sitting there waiting. The nurses come in, they're like, all right, we need to do this. Are we ready? Come on, we got to push. It's like, well, I mean, we, we're ready. I mean, I guess, like, if it's time, we're ready, but it just takes a long time. Then you have the baby, and you're ready to go home, and the nurses say, oh, yeah, you know, we're ready for you to go home. Just wait, because we just need to fill out some paperwork. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. You just wait. And so we read this story. The angel shows up to Mary and says, you're going to have a baby. And it's going to be awesome. And then we keep reading it. Like, all of a sudden, it's there, but it wasn't. It was nine months of waiting. And we feel like waiting time is wasted time. And the longer we wait, and depending on what season we're in, and, and depending on how much growth we have or have not seen, we assume that somehow whatever we hoped for was dead or prayed for is dead or dreamed for is dead, but it's not. It's not. Even when hundreds of years of silence has existed between God and man, the Messiah is coming. Jesus is coming. And we don't know all the details, but we do know that God told one man that, and his name was Simeon, that you're not going to die until you see him, until you meet him. Now, depending on who you believe, you can really nerd out and geek out about this, but there are some Jewish traditions who believe that Simeon was like 200 years old, like that, that it was like a promise from God and my man just would not die. Like this was, it was stretching out a long time. Nobody can actually verify that, but there's some, some legends out there about it. But we know that one guy was promised by God, you will not die till you see the Messiah. And the Bible says that he eagerly waited, eagerly waiting. Some kids are going to be eagerly waiting tonight to, 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 for the next morning. Some parents are going to be eagerly waiting for their kids to go to sleep. Like there's going to be some, some eagerly waiting, and that's what's happening for Simeon because he, he, he knows that God has told him, you're going to see the Messiah. You're going to see him. And the Bible says that on this routine eighth day of Jesus's life, because they have to, because you know they didn't want to. Like, if you've ever had a baby, you know eight days in, you don't feel like doing anything, right? Joseph's probably going on a couple hours sleep. Mary's body's feeling all whacked out, and it's not going right, and you know they're fighting. And the baby's probably got a little diaper rash, and, and like, they're, you know, they're yelling at each other. I mean, I want you to put, like, this is a miraculous, magical story, but, but there's also reality here. So the Bible says eight days in, you have to go to the temple because you got to go through this ritual. You know, I mean, you see them rolling their eyes. You got the turtle doves. You got all this stuff. And they probably think this is the most pointless activity ever. It's like, come on, get the baby in the car. First kid, so they're driving 30 miles an hour down the interstate. They're nervous about this. Maybe the first time out. Like, come on, we got to do the turtle doves. And so they walk in there, you know, and like, got to do the thing. He's got to get circumcised. Sorry, buddy. And just all these things that are... <laughs> going on. It just seems like this routine, pointless, ritualistic day that there's really no point. Simeon wakes up that morning, and he feels the Holy Spirit leading him to go to the temple, which is probably a place he's been a lot of times. And the Bible says that on that day, and I love that about God because it seems like so many of the incredible things that God has done in my life happened at times when I least expected it in places that I never saw coming. So the Bible says on that day, 
Simeon goes in, and here's Mary and Joseph, and they're, you know, they're arguing with each other, and they're just, they're frustrated, and the, the turtle doves, I, who knows what's going on with the turtle doves, I don't even understand about the turtle doves, but they're in there, and, <laughs> and God has this sovereign, providential collision course that's about to happen from a family that's frustrated about sacrificing turtle doves with an eight-year-old, eight-day-old, and Simeon, who is very old and, you know, probably wondering if God's ever going to do what he said he was going to do. And they cross each other's path. And Simeon takes Jesus in his arms, and he prays God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. And I just want to read one more verse because I just love this, verse 33. It says, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. I just love that because as a parent, you know what that's like. Like, you're talking about my kid? Like, 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 somebody watches your kids, you're like, your kid was so great. You're like, my kid? Like, he didn't stab somebody with scissors while I was gone? Like, my kid? Like, yeah, and, and here, so here's Mary and Joseph, like, listening to all these things being said about Jesus. And so this whole story, it's miraculous, and there's nativities, and we drive by it, and, there, and there's Christmas cards, and we see all of it, but it was this stretched out process, if you want to go all the way back of thousands to hundreds of years to nine months of waiting, like, it was just all of this waiting and these what seemed like meaningless details, And the Messiah came, and in the instance of Simeon, who's the main character of this story today, on that day that seemed so random, God did what God said he was going to do. And so my hope for you today is that whatever you're waiting on in your life, your relationship with Jesus, maybe in your non-existent relationship with Jesus, my message to you today, my, my, my prayer for you today is that you would get your hopes up. I can't think of a better message for the Christmas season than get your hopes up. Begin to eagerly wait again. Begin to believe again and dream again and hope again that whatever it is in your life that seems dead or pointless or non-existent, or not going to happen. Begin to hope and believe again that God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And if you will keep doing what you know to do and show up where you know to show up and trusting God and believing in God, then on some day that feels like just another day, in a place that seems pretty routine and pointless and no really that big a deal, the sovereign, providential collision course of God happens. And it will feel like it's an all of a sudden instant, oh my gosh, God just did something so unexpected moment, but it really will just be the culmination of faithful, hopeful waiting on God. So what are you waiting on today? What are you waiting on today? What dreams in your life have you given up on? What prayers have you stopped praying? Like what is it that at one time burned in your heart an aspiration, an ambition, a dream, a hope, a prayer that maybe you've let die or you've stopped eagerly waiting, you've, you've let it go 
get your hopes up today. Get your hopes up that if God would send Jesus so that we could know him at just the right time, like if God would do that and we trust that he knows what he's doing, then that means he knows what he's doing for our life too. And it doesn't seem like it's working and it doesn't seem like it's growing and it feels like it's a tree and it's taking way too long and we're tired of all the seasons and we just trust that God knows what he's doing. And if you put a dream in our heart or a prayer in our heart or a calling on our life or a promise that he gave to us, he's gonna bring it to pass. And I believe that for some of you today, that today is going to be that day. That today is going to be that day, like Simeon. That you showed up to a church service. Maybe you came because somebody bugged you, so you said yes, so they'd shut up. Maybe you came because they, you know, you love them and your family, or you came so your wife wouldn't be mad. I don't know all the reasons that you came, but I believe that 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 some of you are here today on like a divine setup by the providential God who knows what he's doing, and that today could be your day. And that you could meet the Savior today, the Messiah today. Get your hopes up. What are you praying, believing, and dreaming for? And as we celebrate Christmas, Jesus is the reminder that even when it seems like it's never going to happen, it will. It will. Let's pray.